Hey everybody, I'm Kevin. And I'm Kayla. We love movies. And talking about them. This is The Martini Window. Joining us today, we have a prop master and just all-around cool guy with such credits as Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Snowpiercer, and the upcoming Dead Boy Detectives on Netflix. We have Mr. Justin DeLima. Justin, thank you for coming to the show. Hey folks, thanks for having me on. Yeah, Um, I'll I'll maintain those shows I didn't prop master on, though I did prop master this one movie, Freaks... uh, with uh, Zach Laposky and Adam Stein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. New Final Destination. Are they? Yeah, the new Final Destination Six. Fantastic. More yeah. work for those guys. I know. Yeah. Hopefully for us too. It's shooting in Vancouver, so here's hoping. Yeah, get us <laughs> here. Get us here. Come on. Oh my God, Justin, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, yeah, my name's Justin. Uh, I grew up in the great little town of Mission, BC, here in Canada. Uh, fell in love with TV movies as a kid. You know, all those sick days that you have a special features DVD or something like that, and you just spend 14 hours, you know, watching Lord of the Rings behind the scenes. Yeah, that's uh, that's about how it started. Um, yeah, I got my start doing some homework MOWs, and then crept up ever since, and now here I am in the middle of a writer's and, and actor strike. But you know what? We make do. We make do. We make do. I actually have a bit of a history here with Justin. Uh, Justin and I grew up in the same town, went to the same school. We, uh, I wouldn't say we got started in film together, but we definitely did film together. I would say, yeah. People can't see you nod, Justin. <laughs> well, well, I, I, I'm, I'm nodding to you. I'm nodding to you. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. So, I, you know, Justin for a very long time. It's wonderful to have him on the show. And, uh, of course, with our schedules nowadays, it takes a industry-ending strike in order to... <laughs> Get you here. <laughs> uh, that's just how it is. The last three years have been the busiest I think I've ever been. I mean, once once we got back online, it was just like go go go, shoot everything you can after the good old panini. But you know, I don't know if I ever told you this, but when we were shooting Girl Got Bad, we wrapped, and I thought I had like like three weeks until the flash was going to start back up. Mm. I uh, God, what was that? I think we were at home killing. I were at home for probably a good like three hours before I got a call from uh, one of the other guys saying. Hey, so another life on Netflix. We're going to start tomorrow. We need a uh, playback guy. <laughs> so I ended up having uh, about 20 hours off, but there were 30 hours off. Oh, the right. The guy are going to learn how to do playback in this whole new world of, you know, coronavirus. We're still building, like, the, we're still building protocols. They're still finessing them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the They still weren't sure if they were going to pay people for testing days or, like, what even that protocol was in the first place. If you test beforehand, if you just test on Sunday. Yeah, and I mean, and I was in the era where it's like, yo, we know it's like 34 degrees right now, but you guys cannot be in a lunch tank. You're going to sit outside one by one. Don't even look at each other. That will cause coronavirus. God. What about looking? What about this wave at my friend at the other truck? Well, do you want to cause coronavirus? Those were, those were wild days. Those were wild, wild days. Remember when people were polishing, polishing, uh, doorknobs and stuff like that yeah oh god I mean, that lasted all about a month though I, I noticed uh on the shows i was on that level of care did not last i remember them coming in with me uh disinfecting cuts after every single scene oh those things oh my god and then it turned out those things blow up dealing with covid for costumes was insane because like even like little tools you'll pull out we had to sanitize every single thing each time we touch it to go near and after oh my like god. every single thing we pulled out of our kit we were being so careful yeah. And makeup also, right? Like, Oh, man. Yeah, makeup had a whole other world going on. Uh, it was... I imagine they wore hazmat suits in the trailers at all times, because, like, how else do you keep, you know, you're right by someone's mouth the whole time. Oh, my God. I kind of feel like that would have to be uh, yeah. the case. We should ask a makeup person about this. We should have a makeup person on the show and ask them about this. I think the theory was that if you're on a, sh- a show or, like, a costume or makeup team and you're a regular there, you are the bubble because you're spending mm-hmm. so long mm-hmm. with each other, so... As I mean, most teams 
work together really well and have accountability and and I'm sure depending on each team they will chose their comfort level because yeah they're essentially trusting each other because they're kind of quarantining with each other at work yeah exactly like that's also assuming both the artist and the actor are in favor of protocols and distancing and masking in the, <laughs> in the beginning that didn't matter though that's true there would be watched like a hawk at the beginning uh yeah and, you know it's funny you mentioned the costumes uh with COVID because one thing i was actually looking forward to is hearing your take on the costumes in the supplement movie which is mrs doubtfire the Woo! 1994 chris columbus film starring robin williams sally field and a pre-bond pierce brosnan mm. justin uh can you uh kind of enlighten us a little bit why you decided to go with this movie for this episode well um i think like a lot of us in the film industry i was a child of divorce um so as just as kind of like a, a touchstone to understand that experience as a kid. Cause like, Oh, well, what, what, what guides do you really get? Unless your parents really sit you down and like walk you through. And even then that comes from a whole different level of bias, um, between Robin Williams's and, and Sally Field's performance over that movie. I think it, 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 it gave me a stepping stone to understanding kind of what was going on past. Oh, they don't love each other anymore. And now we're going to have two houses. Right. Yeah, so like, well, I'll, I'll I'll get into that point later on in the movie, but like, as a touchdown, that's that that's kind of it for me. It was between this or Jurassic Park, and I love Jurassic Park. Just saw it yesterday at the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra. Oh my god, those guys are great. Um, but I wanted to talk about something that was like a little bit more personal and like, ha ha and doesn't generally get covered on these kind of things. You know how 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 many people will cover you know. Jurassic Park and it's 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 wild influences on the industry and, and how perfectly written that film is and you know all that uh versus how many people are gonna go talk about you know Mrs. Doubtfire on a on a podcast so it just it's 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 closer and further to the heart for me at, at the same time that makes sense I don't have a, a Mrs. Doubtfire tattoo I have a Jurassic Park tattoo but like <laughs> it's 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 close it's close we actually watched uh, Death to Smoochie recently as oh well. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for this podcast. Uh, for this podcast. And one thing I noticed is it's obviously not Death to Smoochie levels of unhinged uh, yeah. Robin Williams. Mm. But I did notice it's a very similar character arc. It's a mm. child. It's a, it's a man who is dealing with his demons and he doesn't have control of himself and he loses everything. And mm. then he refights himself through hilarity and through a bunch of like really crazy actions and comes to a place at the and, end. And, and, and having to play a full suit role yeah. at the same time. Okay. Yeah. I like the parallels in that. Yeah. But even at the end of death to Smoochie mm -hmm. is uh, his character development at the end is they let him be on the show, but he accepts their relationship. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I saw the similarities in this. It's he, he plays a very theatrical upset man dealing with his process mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and coming to acceptance at the end of it mm -hmm. yeah and i what just kind of starting off on that you know the opening scene of this movie where you have robin williams uh daniel yes. inside of the inside of the recording booth and he's uh doing the adr over the animation which by the way i just want to point but, out but that, that doesn't that doesn't that's an anime thing. no, no, no yeah. i want to point out this was in fact a are yeah and i know this because in the world of voice acting voice acting the voice recording comes before the animation yes. in this particular case he was trying to record over the animation itself and he even heard uh here he goes again blah 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 this studio is costing us thousands right now because it was booked for an adr session and mm -hmm. i want to assume that's 
what it is because I would hope at this point they would have some level of realism. But hey, maybe I'll look out for those things. But what I uh, did notice about that is that when he's doing the whole bit where the bird starts smoking the cigarette mm-hmm. and he seemed to do the whole, uh, oh my god, oh my god, and you know the whole uh, choking away the cigarette and all that. <clears throat> this is a very early signal to see just how dedicated to children he actually is and how mm-hmm. dedicated to his children. Like throughout the whole process of this movie, I mean, you you have a guy who clearly. Through, I'm not going to say by any means what he did was right, but, but because also on that on that other side of that, he's he's taking a risk at work that will get him not employed. So like on on, on one end, yes, he's like, oh, I don't want to like represent smoking out and about, and hey, can we change this? Yeah. But on the other side, he's he's telling people that are paying him to be there, oh, I'm not going to do this. Yeah, and and he's not providing livelihood at the same. And there's time. two sides to that coin, exactly. Right? But this movie is so great. I think about balancing those two sides. I mean, like between his character and Sally Fields, you know, I, you really understand both of their perspectives. Neither of them is treated as a bad guy. Both of them are just two people that are trying to navigate life around each other. Yeah, and just realizing they're just not working for all the reasons. It's because they because they haven't been able to like see each other on either side, right? Yeah, exactly. So. Mm-hmm. And it's actually very interesting in the movie where when he becomes Mrs. Doubtfire, he learns to cook. He does everything she's been asking mm. for. He actually listens to her when she talks about their marriage and yeah. how she didn't want to be that person. And it's not about him. It's about how she felt about herself. He's able to discipline his kids in a balanced way that, like, he I don't think he'd ever done before type thing. Um, yeah, uh, it makes him a better person. Um, I, I had the thought of, I don't know how many people listening to this have like read early era lead Ditko Spider-Man, but Peter Parker was kind of a shit person in those early days. Yep. And like, like he was like a vengeful nerd. He like wanted to get revenge on his bullies. He wanted to like get the fame and fortune. And it was only through taking on an alternate persona. He was able to go like, oh shit, there's some things myself that like I need to go fix that he didn't realize until he had to go play that role. Right. Um, and that same character arc actually happens here in a lot of ways. I think Daniel's able to see all these ways that he's, you know, failed himself, failed his family, failed his relationships by playing this role, even though it's it's a bit of a psychotic um, <laughs> setup type thing. You're gonna create this entirely new person to go to go, but 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 we'll but we'll get into that. I mean, the fact that this exact same movie could play as a thriller without changing any of the plot points. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Including the teeth, scene. including yes. the teeth scene. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I guess I guess getting on track. So, so for those of you not familiar with the movie, um, yeah, uh, Rum Williams plays a voice actor. He gets fired in his first scene that you see him. Uh, again, establishes how much he cares about his family and how much he cares about well, how much he cares about his kids. Um, he obviously has a blind eye with his wife, which we get into. Um, he gets fired that same day. Runs this giant party that makes him look like the fun parent. And then Sally Fields comes in, finding a whole crew of livestock in a completely ruined, beautiful house. It's like she's a she's an interior designer type person. Like everything in there is immaculate. Once we get back to it later in the movie, it's just completely trashed. Um, they realize how far apart they are, and they end up having a divorce. Um, they, yeah. Um, I have I have I'm gonna put that down. Um, <laughs> So we step into this bit where she gets full custody, Midas Saturdays. 
Um, but he has to figure out how to get his life back together. Now he was a voice actor, but he's, I mean, out of work now, um, as a contract worker. Yep. Get where you're coming from, Robin. Um, oh yeah. But so, so he tries, he tries and tries to get to, to get work through this, uh, through this, uh, case worker, I guess. I, f- I forget who she's played by, but she's very much like, I'm not sure being a voice actor is a very employable skill, but like you, you go ahead and do whatever he eventually gets employment at this tv station where he ships reels all day um not not connected to the art of it all he's just like just passing through while he's having to be at a tv station and he doesn't even think it's he's going for a job with reels he walks in and he's like will this be my stage yeah yeah. and and his boss is like no you're shipping things go back to the closet he comes into the job yeah very entitled out out the front just going like oh yeah it'll be exactly how i expect and like i think that's i think that's another big piece of the arc that he gets that bit of humble pie that's like, no, you got to You got to work up to there. Yeah. If, 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 if an Andy even get up there. Um, but during all of this, during a chance encounter, well, not a chance encounter, but just uh, um, his wife is picking or his ex-wife is picking up the kids uh, and sees that she's looking for a nanny around the house because no one was taking care of the house, which begs, begs my question. Was he doing the housekeeping before anyways? Or was she doing it all and is taking on more work? But but I digress. She's looking for a housekeeper. Um, he changes the number on the newspaper ad as it's going out, and she, and he uh, he calls her a couple times with different voices, um, extending e- extending his skills as a character um, in a very funny sequence of uh, impressions. If I'm being honest, yes, it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. succession. I actually thought to myself too because they have Robin Williams in the same chair for one. Yeah, and I yeah. Think to myself. How long is the original take of that scene? How long did Christopher Columbus have uh, four cameras on Robin Williams and just have him go ham on a bunch of fake voices and pick up which ones were going to be the best? Because you could tell when you see that all of Sally Field's reactions are just like, okay, you you know, you could tell that Christopher Columbus said, okay, make it sound like something loud just happened on the phone. No, she doesn't do a lot of like detailed uh, voice reactions, which is similar to like, you know, a show like uh, a show like Letterkenny. If anybody watches Letterkenny, um, there's a situation there with character Shorzy every single time the hockey players are beacon back, back and it's, forth. Shorzy. It's a very detailed back and forth. But yeah. all they're ever doing though with the hockey players is just, hey, do you Shorzy? And that's all they ever say because yeah. they point the camera back where you can't see uh, Shorzy's face and they add literally all of it post. Oh, okay. So they never know yeah, what yeah. they're responding to. I know somebody, we had somebody on the show here actually work on Letterkenny and oh, I spoke with okay. him about that before the show and all that. So I I, I find out later because that, that whole scene, I have to, I, Part of me wishes I could see the full take of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't understate how transformative Robin's voice is throughout this movie. Um, even like all these like little bit characters are like completely unrecognizable, and unless you're unless you're seeing his face, it's he was a master of his craft, and like without I could watch him talk about a bagel for five hours. Yeah, yeah. Because he because he talk is ten different people. <laughs> well, he's well, he's, well, he's talking. He, he'd have a whole he'd have a whole podcast to his own and like make it all. It's just oh man, a world that we live in where we don't get to have a Rob Mullins podcast. <laughs> that was like I just think to myself like Have you ever listened to uh, Conan O'Brien needs a friend? Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. There is another timeline out there. I hope where Rob Mullins did not unfortunately uh, leave us, leave our Earth. Um, because I would that I would listen to what would probably end up being a six hour episode of that show if he had Robin Williams. On. You know what I mean? Like I, I think about Robin Williams quite often, and I've talked about this before on the show. I'm going to say it again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk about these people as being 
masters of their time, some of the greats of comedy, something yeah. like that. And I, I take it a step further with Robin Williams. Robin Williams is one person I'll take this a step further with where I don't think Robin Williams is one of the greatest comedic minds of his generation. I think he's one of the greatest comedic minds since Shakespeare. I, yeah. I, I stand, I, I will stand onto this, that when we look at the history of people going all the way back to Shakespeare and going all the way back to the court jesters, and we hear about these hilarious humorists of the 17, not 1700s, obviously, but we hear about the, the humorous plays and like, you know, back in the, back in the Shakespearean era, Midsummer Night's Dream was a hilarious comedy. Yeah. yeah. And so I think about these things, I think I don't really see Robin Williams as just the best of his generation. But, I but his think, words don't do him justice. Words it, don't do the amount of work he did, his 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 level of craft. He was any just alien. And I don't know. Yeah. What, and it's like, of yeah. course, he was also actually an alien and working in working Mindy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which yeah. apparently he even got that role because he decided to do the entire audition and inverted on its chair and made up a bunch of stuff and never actually did any of the dialogue. And they hired uh, him for the show. Yeah. Well, originally he was for the one episode in Happy Days, which was a dream sequence which took how Mork and Mindy came to be. Right. But yeah, that's right. true. Mork and Mindy was a Happy Days spinoff. Uh, <laughs> and you also mentioned when we were watching this, Kevin, that when they were filming Mrs. Doubtfire, they did the Robin shot. Yeah. The Robin takes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what I was going to say, though, is that with that audition of Mork and Mindy, um, uh, Gary Marshall ended up casting... Robin Williams, because he said, of all the people who came into this audition, he was the only one who was actually an alien. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, that's... and 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 I think it's, it, in terms of how he worked, he was always adding to a scene, right? Yeah. Like I, um, other people were considered for this role, but I can't imagine anyone else taking on this challenge. He Tim Allen was he, offered the role, which makes no sense to me. I could not imagine Tim Allen convincing me he was. Actually, a different person under that makeup. The problem is, if it was Tim yeah. Allen, I don't expect Tim Allen's comedy to be anything other than, hey, look at me, I'm a guy dressed as a woman. You know what I mean? 100%. Robert yeah. Williams. Yes. This is what I'm saying about Williams. And what Kayla said about the Williams take, mm -hmm. uh, Chris Columbus talked about this, how they had uh, a lot of these scenes could be going on for three, four, five, six, seven takes until yeah. Robin felt it was perfect. Uh, he was a producer on the movie. Let's bear that in mind. Yeah. And so yeah. they would always do that. And they would do what's called the Robin take, the Williams take, where they mm -hmm. said, oh, he doesn't improv, he just plays. And yeah. he, he yeah. described shooting these scenes like a documentary where you would have four cameras on Robin Williams because they're like, whatever he's going to do, we need four angles of it because he's not going to do it again. Yeah. And mm. a lot of that stuff ends up being the funniest stuff in the movie. Mm. So a lot of stuff they made up, like uh, the whole bit where he's sitting next to Pierce Brosnan and he's uh, making all his euphemisms for sex. And yeah. that whole scene was ad-libbed by Robin Williams trying to crack Pierce Brosnan. How did and, and, and he didn't. And the teeth, the <laughs> did you know what the teeth was uh, Robin Williams improv? Really, the teeth in the drink oh. was a freaking improv. And Pierce Brosnan just went with it and started go, taking all this stuff out. But that was the, <laughs> one 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 of the most iconic pieces of the movie. Just, that was just the came out as yeah yeah because 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 everyone talks about the 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 cake splattering in in the teeth yeah now which is such like a minor thing compared to something like that. Also, like hilarious when you realize how he's working. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, like, let's not forget, he was an improv artist. He was like yeah. a street performer guy before he ever got a role in Hollywood, right? Yeah. You know, he was he was doing all that. So, like, just rolling with it and just being in the flow of like, this is my one performance, and I give it to you, and it's released. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 sure he does rehearsals just fine. But I mean, like, that's where you get the best stuff, where he's just like, I'm again, just playing around. Yeah. Type thing, you know. What I love about the. Uh, the going back to the scene with uh, the cake on the face mm -hmm. is at the end of the like he's obviously hilarious he's always going to be hilarious mm -hmm. but I love that the social worker 
puts it on her face. <laughs> yeah, is it yeah, a yeah. small, understated like punctuation mm, to like just yeah. finish the joke? Especially when you know that that was improv. Yeah, that was yeah. improv because that was never supposed to drop in her cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the, the stage lights just going at it. Well, like, yeah, and Williams just ran with it. And again, this uh, the woman he was talking to too, the social worker, same thing. Just went with it, and it's yeah. like the the echelon of comedy talent in this movie. And you people like um, Harvey Firestein as his uh, brother. One thing that I thought was really interesting is when Kayla and I were watching this, I pointed out, you know, in this era, anytime you had a gay couple, it was often like, oh, it's they're just really fun roommates. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like but what I loved about this, and also the Birdcage by Robin Williams, yes. he had no problem yes. looking that horse right in the mouth. And yeah. Being like, no, but it's a gay couple. They are gay men. They do gay things. You know what I mean? Like he had yeah. no problem make that point clear. Mm-hmm. The Birdcage, obviously, is, have you seen Birdcage, Kayla? I have not. Fantastic movie. I hope somebody picks it for this uh, podcast. Anybody listening. Um, His brother's husband is also called Auntie. Auntie Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. At least at least that's how the kids understand yeah. the whole thing. Because that's, I think that's how one would translate to kids. In that era. Time, exactly. Right? Absolutely. That's in that era. Thing. You know, listen, yeah. Um, I, I mean, hey, I'm not going to knock this movie for trying to make these strides. You know what I mean? Yeah. In 1994. Absolutely, yeah. Like the AIDS crisis in America. It's like... And and here they were presenting a gay couple just as is. Just as you is. Know, which just is like, is. I think, the best representation you can ask for at the time. So Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I agree with you completely. But uh, Harvey Firestein was great in this, though. Mm. I got mm. never mind mm. there. I cannot believe I forgot he was on Broadway. It makes even more sense. Like, <laughs> exactly. So, you know... Uh, in invigorating this drag role on the stage and then being the one to help build this drag role on on on, on film, right? You yeah. Know? Um and that's just such a great sequence where they're just playing with all these other characters. It lets Robin just like play with all these other voices in in, in the moment type thing and try all these other looks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh this one ad lib that he has mm-hmm. that absolutely destroyed me in that scene yeah where they're putting on all the uh all the new wigs and trying out and yeah they have this one where he looks particularly like a jewish woman like that was the look they're going for, right? oh i look like a booby or is what he says someone he says that thing where he says yeah. oh never get uh never get grenade today never get grenade from Leon. it's always so chewy yeah yeah, um, yeah is fried chicken skin and uh, oh, Mion okay. is a uh, religious person in the Jewish faith who does circumcisions. So, and that was an ad Yeah, went partway through. Oh my god! <laughs> I've, I've, I've never. Okay, yeah. Well, huh, that's that's he that's amazing. Yeah. So this movie, like, uh, like he's putting on this, uh, this stuff for us. Oh, oh, Norman Bates. Okay, who knows that? Like that. Kayla hadn't seen Psycho, so I had to like. Pause and because she was wondering why I was laughing so hard. About that. <laughs> it's like because the white kind of doesn't like Right, you told me you have to see this. No, but I understand what Norman Bates is. I've grown up in the world where people have discussed mm. Psycho. I went to film school. We just got mm. Psycho. Mm. I also went to film school. I did. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and it's just it's it's funny to go like oh yeah let's reference this this horror thing in the middle of this like comedy type thing you know it's 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 just I don't know it's really his sense of man like yeah. whatever's funniest in that moment yeah like, yeah we're talking about a guy like uh, when he did a weapon of self destruction his last uh, live tour he ever did when he did that he didn't have anything written for jokes he had a list of topics he would just go at it yeah <laughs> and apparently he didn't even make it through the list a lot of times he'd be making up new shits and time <laughs> on the stage and yeah he'd be like. This was Robin Williams, though, man. Like, there's a reason why everything this guy's improv will be ten times funnier than whatever you're writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he's never recycling, or he never recycled content. He just, I don't know, just went as it. He yeah. didn't. And uh, they tried to make a sequel to Mrs. Outfire for so long, and they almost with the camera in 2004 at one point. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he ended up shutting down because he's like, oh, the script was terrible. I didn't like the script was uh, the same thing as before, except the time he's dressed as a doubtfire, be close to Lydia's college. And he's right. He's like, there, what's the point of doing a sequel yeah. to this? Where's the heart? Exact same thing. Because, because the heart of this movie is what makes it. If you don't have that, why the fuck would you make it in the first place? Doubtfire is the gay. But the theme of the movie, though, is, is this, this guy just wants to be with his kids. God his, his kids are the thing that gives him life. The thing, yeah, he, yeah. The kids are the thing that gives him life. He needs to learn how to be a better, uh, a better man. Mm. Um, but what I love about this, and I, I come from a family that's not fully together. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I, I believe uh, we share certain things with Matt Dustin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, love my mom and my brother to death. Just gonna make that point clear. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, seeing this movie and seeing how Ron Williams is basically just like. You know, there he's just he's after he's in in battle with himself. He thinks he's in battle with Pierce Brosnan. He thinks no. he's in battle with his wife. He thinks he, he's not. You know, he's in battle about, with his jealousy. He's he's he, he's in battle with the ways that he feels insufficient. Exactly. It's uh, you know, they always say in stories it's very much like uh, man versus environment, man versus uh, man versus man, man versus environment, man versus world, man versus self. And it's very much man versus self situation. Yeah, because. Everything he's doing is at his own demise, but he's doing it because he wants to see his kids. And I understand. I'm not. A, I'm not a parent, so obviously I don't. I'm not going to start saying that I understand things about kids and stuff. Like yeah, but but of course, this character in his and and what we need for the movie. Yeah, it all yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it all makes sense. Seeing uh, you know, seeing certain elements to it, like you know, we didn't have the same situation as as the Hilliards in this movie. We didn't have the same like. There, there was that. Let's put it like this: there was no uh, hoping Daddy comes back. Let's just say that. Hundred percent. We were all very far better off without him. But in this particular case, obviously, I'm gonna make point in '94. What I do love is that at the end of the movie, like even if he has any, even if there was any point where he wanted to be back with Miranda, and there was. Uh, as I, I think through the whole movie, he wanted to be back until Miranda. Yeah, like he, he's like, yeah, you let them make that, cause you let them make that hearing about me. You let them make that. Um, uh, verdict about me. He didn't do anything. It's like I'm mean, supposed to forget all this. And what I love is that Muller. It's like mm, he, he did become a better man because guess what? He grew. He also grew some bloody self esteem here too. Yeah. Like what I love though is the ending. You don't see endings like that in movie and movies of that era where the ending truly was. It's not them kissing and getting back together. Trust yeah. me, I worked on enough hallmarks to know that that's where most people think. Yeah. Those. Yeah. But the idea that you can have what's important maintained. Yeah, and, and you can still have a happy ending without having the the Stepford perfect ending. You know, it's it's a very happy ending. Yeah, it's a very happy ending, and they don't get back together. And I yeah. and I do hope she gets together with Pierce Brosnan because he actually was a great guy. Because you know what, he loved those kids. He loved those you know, kids. There, there, there's 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 that conversation that he has like as an aside at the pool, and I think in most movies they'd use that opportunity to go like. Oh yeah, this is where we prove that he's a dick because he like talks yeah. to like his 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 yeah, girlfriend. Hate, yeah, and, 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 and I hate them kids. Yeah, <laughs> but he's just like, you know what? I'm getting to the age where like I have to think about. Yeah, maybe maybe I do want to like raise a little kid. And also like, look at Mara Wilson. She melts she melts my heart. And oh, he and he says literally that you know. And he cares about these kids so much, and he cares about Miranda and her well being has for has for a number of years. But now is the opportunity to like go like, hey, yeah, let's. And also, yeah. and, and also at the end of the movie with Pierce Brosnan, mm-hmm. when he said he could have uh, Robin Williams' character Daniel could have kept his cover, yeah. Pierce Brosnan would have died from an allergic reaction. Yeah, but he actually mm-hmm. went up, exposed himself by saving Pierce Brosnan, mm-hmm. and even though everyone is horrified. Pierce Brosnan still says thank you yeah. because he and shakes his hand like he actually realizes that this man loves his kids and isn't the deadbeat that he thought he was. Because, 
Let, let's just hope that detail of him uh, putting pepper all over his pepperless jambalaya, which, if you're allergic to pepper, why the fuck are you ordering a Creole dish? But that's just me. Was he allergic? Um, was he just choking? Uh, he, he said he was allergic to peppers. Oh. Said he was allergic to peppers. Um, hopefully that, that fact never comes to the light of day. That well, he now, to, well, well, now, Pierce Brosnan, if you're, if you're reading this, years after you read that script, um... I don't know. Get, you gotta get, redo that scene, Pierce. You gotta redo it. <laughs> yeah. Justin says so. <laughs> so he gains employment in Mrs. Doubtfire, improves as a person, um, manages to rein in his kids and, and you know, get some new chores rather than just be the fun parent out and about. Um, there's the scene where the two eldest discover, oh, Mrs. Doubtfire is actually a man. Oh, is actually our dad because he makes this odd decision to pee standing up in the other room, um, which wild to do that in drag while you're trying to maintain all this and he's so careful every other point that i'm just like what what was running through your head there why did you lock the door actually yeah yeah <laughs> there, there, i mean i've got a lot of questions about that but i think i think they just needed a fun pee gag and the and all that to unroll um when we get to the third act in this movie um so daniel's been working at this tv station um he's been ripping into the boring programming they've they've had out and about to this guy that's down there is and that guy's the owner of the station. Jack Lundy? Jack Lundy, yes. Um, so after a couple of asides here at the TV station, they decide to schedule a dinner at a, at this great restaurant um, to pitch some ideas. Um, not once does does this character jot down any ideas, but I think that reinforces everything we know about Daniel to this point. Um, Spontaneous. Very flat. She says it, Randa says it herself. He, yeah, yeah. Spontaneous, not really planning ahead, all that good stuff, um, which serves as his edge, but also is to his detriment. Which, again, for a lot of people in the in the in the film industry, I I think you all understand this. Um, it, in, improv is where it's at, um, and just being in the moment, just having a roll off the cup is, uh, I think, where we kind of operate best in. So I can understand why he's not there, but also he's so focused on the Mrs. Doubtfire routine of it all that he doesn't know how to take that step and go like, okay, let's let's plan for this dinner. Meanwhile, while this dinner is getting planned, Stu, played by Pierce Brosnan, it's also his birthday dinner. And since Mrs. Doubtfire has become such a beloved figure in this family, um, is demanded that, that that she be there. So the third act is just him running around this restaurant, going back and forth between these tables, getting sloshed with this producer, trying to like keep up appearances back at the table. Um, and then, yeah, it all ends up with uh, this, this whole gag, literally, where uh, Pierce Brosnan chokes on some shrimp. Uh, gets the Heimlich maneuver from Mrs. Doubtfire and the mask literally slips. The way that Sally Fields melts down in this moment is just, it's its terrifying. It's amazing and it's terrifying because she's like swapping back and forth. She, you read all of her emotions while she gets like half a line out here. You, you, you were her the whole time. You were her the whole time. Back and forth of it all. And it's just like seeing the meltdown and like all the gears turn all at once because I imagine this Mrs. Doubtfire team is probably going on for like four or five months. Yeah. At this uh, point, you know, well, it would actually be less than that because when the, by the time comes that they have the hearing, um, oh, it's ninety days, right? Yeah, but when they have the hearing, he says, "I've acquired a place at this job for uh, two months now, which is ahead of schedule." No, so yeah, months mm-hmm. later, I think Mrs. Doubtfire was only there for like a month and a half. Or something like that. Right, right, right. So that's every single day, five days a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, one could argue. That mm-hmm. why would you bring the nanny if you pay three hundred dollars a week to dinner with you? <laughs> yeah, 
Which but, $300 a week, even in 1990 money, seems like... No, that's pretty decent. Actually. That's pretty decent back then? Uh, decent yeah. enough to live, I think. Keep in mind, the cost of living wasn't... Yeah, I, true, yeah. I would also counter your point with the fact that the mother in this household is going through a divorce. She's struggling to maintain everything mm, with her kids. Yeah. So if, you're, if you have a void in your life and you have this hole that's a hard thing to deal with and somebody swoops in and they're managed to fix everything for mm. you... And just coming home at the end of the day, being like, oh, thank God, dinner's on the table. Thank yeah. God this is happening. She was actually in a very vulnerable spot. And it was it's very human to latch on to someone who you think is a godsend. Yeah, that's fair. True, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. that's why I think she that was invited because she's like, you've helped us through this. Like, mm. I want to celebrate with you. You become part of the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. I will say, in any case, uh, you were right about this when we were watching Gala. Uh, he should have never gone to that dinner. You should have never gone there. Yeah. But I will also say, as a huge fan of the two dates, one dance scenario in movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such a great twist on a scene. Such a great twist on that setup of a scene. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. a sucker for two dates, one, two dates, one dance scenarios and uh, anything about them. Community did a really good episode of that. Bojack Horseman mm-hmm. did a really good episode of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a fan of 80s movies that do it earnestly. This one's a 90s movie. No different to me. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. And just the fact that this guy is uh, just serving them double scotch after double scotch. I think they they, they each have like four double scotches by the end of it. So like yeah. it's it's very believable that he just forgets that he's in the full getup by the time he returns back to this producer's oh, cool. table. And he doesn't have a plan, but he has to try to like pivot this. Oh, I'm in drag. How do I explain this? Um, eventually it gets him a show in the middle of all this. So the end of the movie ends up with him having his Mrs. Doubtfire show and still having like a link to the kids um even though they're not on speaking terms for an indeterminate amount of time yeah i think it's fair to assume i think after uh after the whole incident at the restaurant mm. when we see mrs doubtfire on tv they're reminiscing about mrs doubtfire and all that and uh you know there's definitely a certain amount of time between when she's on tv at that moment and when mm. miranda is down at the studio because when she's down yeah. in the studio at this point They've been watching it every day for however long. For however long, the number one at the time slot. They're like, so that to me is, and you know, he makes a big point where it's like, what does it matter if I only get to see them visit, visited every, you know, visit them once a week with supervision. It's like, I can't even hug my kids because I think something's wrong that I do when it's like, yeah. so no, you are, I think that this point, this is probably about three, four months later. Yeah. 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 And that acting from Robin Williams uh, in that scene with him and Sally Field when they're talking and he's mm. man there's a level of delicacy and earnestness to what he's saying in that and the way he's performing yeah. it that I'm just like it doesn't feel like it's not lines on a page he it's said people talking he and said like, uh, before that he feels he made the movie um, as a way to make up for not having time with his kids with his career mm. make of that as you will yeah uh, yeah there's definitely an argument to be made one way or the other about that mm. Um but what I'm saying though is that with that in mind, I have to wonder when this scene kind of came to the point and it's all about how he's valuing just every second he has with these children. Yeah. I don't feel like they always they always say these sorts of things like, oh, well, that was the character, that was the person talking. And I, as much as I yeah, yes, kinda yeah, as much yeah. as I kinda, you know, okay, whatever, yeah, they are still a character. This is one of those moments so I think you can make the argument where it's where, like, where you can see the direct feelings he's drawing on. Wait, yeah. I don't know Robin. We don't know Robin. We don't know Robin. Uh, but, we, but, like, I think it's easy, I think it's easy to drive. Like, in comparison yeah. to something like that, um, there's a TV show I watch called Hacks with uh, Gene, with, uh, Gene Smart and Hannah Einbinder. Uh, mm-hmm. It's on HBO Max, Crave in Canada. Fantastic series. Highly recommend. Uh, season 3 is coming out soon. But Gene Smart in the second season had the scene where she um, goes to 
her assistant's dad's funeral. Mm-hmm. Jean Smart had buried her husband the week prior. Oh my god! And this ep- the week before shooting, and so this episode and this scene, she you start seeing her tear up when they're talking about the other person's dad and all that stuff. And yeah, um, and this was a moment where apparently Jean Smart found that like this was an opportunity for her to actually start feeling the feelings that she yeah. didn't really feel the funeral before because everyone's you know she doesn't have a moment just to herself to think because everyone's you know how oh, please you know we want to be there for you or all that yeah and so obviously that's a very different sort of circumstance but mm-hmm. I mean she said that in this scene when you're watching her talk about this man she's like I was talking about my husband and yeah and that's what she said I can't help but feel this is one of those circumstances where Robin Williams is like obviously I, I I don't know if he had whatever like you know supervised visitation stuff like that yeah everything yeah. we from everything we understand from like Zelda Williams and all that uh, there doesn't seem to be that sort of stuff no so it's just limited time I mean like Robin was an enormously busy actor you know um, I think the generation right now yeah. uh, the generation Z probably does not understand just how burned into our psyche he was in our generation right yeah. Now. Mm. Because he was everywhere. He, he was, was everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I, I would argue, like, it's very rare you have a Robin Williams movie, for at least from the 90s, that is not seen as just an absolute classic now. Even the ones that, like, were not seen well back then. Like, yeah. Puck was not well received when it came out. But it's a classic. It's too. a classic. Yeah. No one yeah. Puck. Yeah. And Robin Williams is fantastic. Ro- Robin Williams launched the idea that you can hire a celebrity voice actor in an animated movie. Which now. Is yeah. Say that as you will. Which would affect that's had. Absolutely. Uh, you know, positive or negative, he made that impact. What he also right? did, you know, Yeah, and that's what Disney screwed him over too, because he said, I'll need the movie, but I don't want my voice used in any toys, any of this. I don't want you using yeah. the to sell anything. But and uh, of course, yeah. as we all know, Disney followed exactly his wishes, never <laughs> capitalized off GE again. Never <laughs> ever. Yeah. Let me watch Will Smith uh, about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but let, let's ask Dan Castle Castle yeah. what, what he feels about that. But I mean not uh, yeah, you got to make cash. I don't know. Yeah, we're yeah. kind of Simpsons podcast in development right now, so I'll uh, I'll, I'll see if I can reach out to him and ask. <laughs> it was I played a lot of Kingdom Hearts growing up, and I didn't for the longest time. I was like, "That's definitely not Robin Williams. Who the fuck is this?" And I was like, "No, that's very just definitely Homer. He does change his voice a little bit, but like, it's just it's Homer to me. You know, I mean, it's, not, it's not it's not genie at all. Yeah, especially you when you have someone with such like a vibrant voice range as Robin Williams, who never just did one voice when he played Genie. He was constantly impersonating, you know, this, this, the Jack Nicholson or like doing like a little, um, like a Vincent Price routine or yeah. like, you know, like all, all these little things, right? Um, that I don't know. Uh, unless you are, uh, uh, a, a comedy defining person of your generation or generations to come, you just can't play that role the same way, you know? I'd argue Bill here. Bill Hader. Oh, Bill Hader's, yeah. And yeah. I think we missed an Absolutely, yeah. We missed an opportunity to see some sort of road trip movie or something with those two as a father and son. Bill Hader and Robin Williams. Okay. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Oh, God. Bill Hader is is one of the best and brownest working today. So. Yes. Yeah. Now, yeah. I would argue he's proven he has that charisma. Not yeah. the Robin Williams level, mind you, but mm-hmm. I've seen him on, I've watched, watched him channel in a different way. Channeled in a different way. Yeah. I watched him on SNL for and the movies he's done and the absolutely incredible series Barry is is not fully a comedy but again highly recommend anybody Barry um, Justin Barry yes, uh, yes but with Bill Hader though I would say similar situation I watched him for SNL for years I saw that guy go manic being good surprise in one moment then being like this completely other character the next and mm-hmm. 
we're not here to talk about Bill Hader, but I am saying though, for in that echelon, he's the closest that can think of. But I, I, like I said earlier, I think Robin Williams is up there with Shakespeare. So I'm not really, yeah, I'm not going to say that about Robin Shakespeare did that. But he did not. But he, he, he just wrote. What I am saying. So, 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 so Robin's even more of a complete. Threat, really. He's yeah. up there with John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> he was an actor. He was sure, yeah, yeah. He was yes, he was actually yes. quite a well-known actor, believe it or not. Yes, yes. Be- what? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't expect an Abraham Lincoln reference in this? No, not at all. <laughs> um, is it too soon? <laughs> um, Mara Wilson. Can I talk about Mara Wilson yes. for a second? Absolutely. Because like. I, I think I think the other kids are just fine. I think I think they serve their purpose okay, but like I don't think you feel the heartbreak of these kids until Mara Wilson talks. She has like such this like she feels like she's like contained in this like I I, I don't know. She's just got such like a slow low way of talking that's like this pure innocence yeah perspective that like everything she's feeling just like melts my heart when she talks on right. Um, and, and, and I don't think he would have been able to sell where those kids were out without her. Um, like I said, the other, the other two were okay. And I think, I think uh, Joey Lawrence, uh, is, Joey Lawrence, especially he's always been a very, uh, he's always been a very dependable actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he yeah. played, uh, he played the suck. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And these kids just, just make him out. You absolutely feel why Daniel feels this way about his kids because they are just like the most precious, just, God, just oh my God. Yeah. It's a good thing. They were all pieces of shit. Yeah, yeah, would would have been a very different movie, and I think I think I think you probably would have gone the route of like, okay, how was how was Daniel damaged his kids? Yeah, if, if if you went that route, yeah. I think we saw that movie actually in uh, Robin Williams' highly highly underrated mm-hmm. uh, 2013, 2012 movie, World's Greatest Dad. Oh, okay. I uh, I have it on DVD. It is such uh, or on Blu-ray. It is such a good movie. It was Robin Williams is one of his last roles he ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, one of his, surely one of his last leading. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played a dad who left his kid as much as loved his son uh, played by the actor who played Junie in Spy Kids oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah he loves his son so much he's he's a very uh, very present father he's a single father he's a very mm-hmm. present father he's very there hands on uh, his son is so unbelievably disrespectful to him and literally everybody else. Mm. Uh, and then what happens is the son, played by Junie Spikett, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So Junie, at one point, he's uh, you know he's perverted. He's always saying really crass and derogatory things to girls at school. He's obsessed with porn. He's just like whatever, fuck you, devil, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just no part of him is uh, is good. And but yeah. he loves his son. And one day his son uh, kills himself accidentally by auto rock asphyxiation. So Robin Williams, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Robin Williams trying to make the best. Uh, I, I understand I'm spoiling this movie right now, but it's just uh, yeah. for Robin Williams to uh, who's a creative writing teacher and a failed author. He doesn't want his son's death. He cries. He has a son in his hand. He cries and he realizes that he can't let people know that his son died auto rock asphyxiation. So yeah, he has a suicide yeah. note for his son. The suicide note. Oh god. The suicide God. note. All of a sudden is like. This boy was a poet. He was this like now all of a sudden his son is becoming this like incredibly. He's like oh my god, his, his suicide note has gone to the news and everything like that. Well, students at school love it. It went with the air. Yeah. So he's like, so like wow, maybe have a writing career. <laughs> and they said like your son was such a great writer. Goes well, uh, no, I believe he kept the journal as well. Oh, no. So uh, Robin Williams takes the opportunity to be the oh, famous writer on, on the back of his son's. Uh, falsified suicide by writing a full-on journal in his style becomes a bestseller. His dad goes on like 
the few becomes a celebrity. I there's elements here where I think we see exactly how this would go in a different direction. Oh my and how the foundation these kids have. And it's the same, it's in a lot of ways a similar character. I'd say it's a mix between the character of Mrs. Dow, uh, the character of Daniel Hilliard, and his character from uh, the Fantastic Dead Poet Society. That is horrifying. It makes me wonder what terrible, deranged depth someone had to go to to, to, to be in that. And honestly, it, it it makes me lose faith in the world. Where do I watch this? <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds great. Sounds uh, great, yeah. Written and directed by Bobcat Goldthwait. Hold on. Bobcat Goldthwait, please gather. You know, okay? Yeah, you wrote directed. So, <laughs> back to Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, we, we, we go off track sometimes on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to Mrs. Doubtfire, you're talking about Mira Wilson, and I am very happy you are. I love Mira Wilson as an actor, and mm-hmm. I also love her as a, uh, I also love her as a social media person. She has yes. no problem just ripping on any right-wingers, ripping on transphobes. Mm-hmm. I mean, her cousin is freaking Ben Shapiro. So it's like, yeah, and I love that fact that she just rips on him on social media constantly. Yeah. could not find two people on further ends of the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and she's right now with the fight for WGA. And I'm actually just taking a moment here to praise Marables for yes. a sec. She's, saying, yes. she's doing uh, with the SAG Actors Guild. Sorry, not the SAG Actors Guild. But with the SAG uh, striking right now mm-hmm. uh, due to uh, due to studios being completely greedy and not paying them exactly what they deserve and helping them protect their careers. Just trying to make that point clear. Yes. Mary Wilson came out recently. And she talked about how she's like, um, I appeared uh, I appeared as a Disney princess, a live action thing, and I have had uh, this much money given to her, I think it was like something like $13 of residuals. She's like, right. I had a recurring role on one of the most critically acclaimed animated series of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, I, and she showed her residual for that. And I think it was something like $10 since it came out. And I'm like, like Jill Hill of Bojack Horseman. Yeah. Bojack freaking Horseman. And that character was a big character for her episodes on that show. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to say that she doesn't deserve a proper residuals. Just got pointed out. If we're going to bring up Mara Wilson, I got to bring up what she's saying about the Absolutely, uh, yeah. Go Mara, man. Yeah. Go Mara. And I loved her this. And this movie wasn't very far from, and I have to imagine this movie got her Matilda. Yeah. yeah I have to yeah. imagine that's yeah. Matilda, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it also got Pierce Brosnan, James Bond. Yes, it did. It did. It did. Really? Chris Columbus. Okay, so Chris Columbus was a big fan of Pierce Brosnan from the showroom. Steel. Yeah, 1980s, yeah, very sort of Bond influence, right? And that was big. And that at the time was the show that people would be like, oh my God, this guy should be the next James Bond. Yeah, yeah. They wanted Timothy Dalton. Mm. Um, mm. So what it was that during uh, uh, during this movie, Chris Columbus barely said to Pierce Brosnan, hey, you know, I love you, Robertson Steel. You absolutely should have been James Bond. He's like, oh, yes, so, well, you know, um, well, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, um, yeah, do the Pierce Brosnan thing. But time goes on, they shoot the movie, has a great time with Brosnan. He's not cracking even near Robin Williams, except for one quick moment during the teeth bit when he, puts, when he finally gets the teeth out there. If you look at Pierce Brosnan, you see his lips just crack a little bit of a smile. Where right? he's able to keep icy and just yeah. the entire so time. So much that against subtle this was like against there. a comedic titan. Yeah. <laughs> giving one of the best bits of his career. Yeah. Oh, man, right? And so uh, what happened was Chris Columbus found out that, uh, okay, Timothy Dalton's leaving the Bond franchise. Mm-hmm. He's the one that uh called the broccolis i was like you need to audition pierce brosnan like get pierce brosnan oh, in yeah, yeah. Room. He, i'm telling you right he now he will give you so much more than what you're looking for yeah yeah yeah, yeah. then we had goldeneye so yes. yes there there you go man like i, I that always find it kind of funny now that groundhog's day effectively created uh pierce brosnan's bond one to the next and then together, I suppose. Which Chris Columbus would not have been able to do if he did not break Gremlins in the first place. Just saying. Okay. <laughs> Gremlins is actually the uh, the Rosetta Stone to all of modern filmmaking. 
that we know now. Howard Short did the score to this movie as well as a title of Lord of the Rings, and um, those strings really complement San Francisco. But yeah. that city's beautiful in this movie. It is gorgeous. Yeah. My God, is it beautiful. And the way they use the framework, uh, the framing work of the streets and everything, they really know the best way to shoot that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Howard Short, beautiful music throughout this movie. And uh, mm, these comedy movies, you know, especially from this era, I, I don't know if you remember the 90s and the 80s. I don't know if you ever remember these sorts of movies from the era where the music always had like, uh, uh, I think Back to the Future had a lot of influence on this because all of a sudden mm-hmm. uh, Back to the Future uses the power of love. And now for the best, like, Eight years, so many of these movies feel the need to have this like kind of Huey Louie esque, but not a Ford Huey Louie. Yeah, 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 it's like you know, you'd expect these movies to be like, okay, well, I'm gonna go down now uh, to the laundromat or something like that. And from his downpour, you'd expect to hear something like, you know, someone is like, yeah, in my head, I hear synths, but yeah, 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 but here, you know, the needle drops are great, a dude looks like a lady. Oh, it's it's such a great scene, such so, such a great little montage. You yeah. are right about the Howard Shore score, though. Yeah, there's it, like 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 it, it, talking about going back to the earnestness on this movie. Yeah. It adds that earnestness element. There's just something about every time I watch Lord of the Rings, every time that I like hear those like sweeping strings with like little bits of brass, but mostly the sweeping strings. It just it 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 it, it makes me want to weep. You know, I see I I see these beautiful locations and I see these characters in Millas and that score helps ground all that earnestness in the moment yeah um and i just i don't know i just i'm just in love with it i'm just in love with it also go canadian composers yeah yeah go canadian composers yeah wait what yeah yeah he 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 did he uh he composed for cronenberg for a while actually way back when yeah how short is canadian yeah i did not know this look him up look him up yeah, yeah. i will after this uh after this podcast because i don't believe you justin well whoa, 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 believe it man believe it <laughs> i actually I actually did have one scene that I really liked speaking specifically from a costume's perspective. I loved them changing in and out of the suit. And then when yeah. they just hold a camera on him and they have to speed it up. Because we were talking about yeah. that. That would have taken for so long. If you look at the Sean, it slowly speeds up as he goes. Because uh, it's like, and because like by the time you get to the point where he's taking off the whole uh, bodysuit and all that. Like, it's going so fast that his hands are basically going to, like, cartoon levels of speed. Yeah. But it's just because they had to get through the shot. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be here for, like, another two minutes trying to get everything down. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think his, his costume and makeup and face and everything, it's part of his comedic process. Like, it's not, mm-hmm. he looks perfect in every scene. I love that you actually show how much effort goes into putting a man in the suit. Mm-hmm. It's it's not easy. No. It's not easy. Like the 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 practical suit that they actually put on him, it was like a three hour process when they shortened it down to get all the latex work down on him. You know, um, so at least three to four hours in the chair before he even hops on for at least the like the bulk of this movie. I'd say it's like half the time he's in that suit, right? Oh yeah. And there's multiple scenes where he's like half in and then half out of it. Like even just like something that looks as simple as like Obi's apartment. When he has the social worker come by, um, I can imagine that they would be quite interrupted midway through just to just to just to get him in out of it. Yeah, yeah. And that that poor mask, that poor mask that falls down and gets oh. flattened by the truck. Oh no. Um, let's see. That was apparently the hardest shot in the movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, to get it to like float down just the right way. I really took like yeah. twenty or thirty takes or something. Like that. Oh, to get it to like flutter down in just yeah. the right way. I mean, I mean, those shots are always take the longest. Yes, they do. Yeah, they're never this, as, as someone that's had to bowl many of props to sit just perfectly in frame. Yeah, you usually do a lot about that many times. Why do you play back? For whatever reason, phone inserts can take fucking 20, 30 minutes to set up for like a 10 second insert. For them just like thumbing on the phone and just text. Well, like a text message without any interaction. It'll be like, okay, yeah, I'll lay properly. I missed this. Let me 
Insert yeah, it's already back. Like, yeah. Insert you actually kind of fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for that reason. Um, Greg Cannon, the guy behind the special effects makeup in this thing, it's five Academy Awards, and oh my fucking god, it shows. Oh, Again, yeah. if if you guys haven't seen this movie, which what are you doing right now? Go go watch Mrs. Doubtfire and come back. Um, he really just has a full transformation. He is a completely different person in that makeup and bodysuit and everything. Um, only betrayed by like little bits of hair sometimes sticking out from under his long sleeves. Um, and and you you go and watch the behind the scenes when they're doing camera tests. Um, and he really is finding the voice and finding all these little eccentricities of this character while bits and pieces of of the prosthetics are going on. Um, again, Robin just played. You know, yeah. um, he saw himself in the mirror, become this person, and then the voice followed. Right? It's just. It's just astounding to me that they that, that they got to this point. Well, actually, I want to lead into that part of the special effects in this because you are really you don't really think about movies like this uh, and think about the effects that little. We were watching Day in the Net the other day, uh, yeah, Last Drive-In with Joe, with Joe Bob Briggs, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that was Tom Savini who was obviously considerably mm-hmm. the legend of yeah. effects, right? Yeah. Uh, so and it's interesting because I'm a big horror fan, as you know, and so I all of my love effects comes from that. I always forget though, you get these scenes like this. Mm-hmm. Um with Mrs. Doubtfire, where this truly is a transformative special effects mm-hmm. process. So much yeah. so that apparently Robin Williams would go around buying things in characters to see if people would notice them. And like yeah. apparently he would go his favorite thing to do when they were uh like on lunch and all that, apparently he would go to local sex shops and buy dildos dresses. <laughs> <laughs> It just been, I love that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that is such a Ronald Williams thing to do. Yeah. Like, of course you would. Living absurdism. Yeah, right? Love it's it. like, um, uh, my apologies, the name of the effects artist. Um, Greg Cannon. Greg Cannon, thank you. Or Greg Cannon. Academy Awards. And what, what other films did he do before this? Um, well, later on he did Bicentennial Man afterwards. I don't I don't have the list down. Also, also of all Also Rob Williams. Very underrated film. I hadn't seen it actually. Yeah. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. It's it's certainly underrated and it's aged weirdly considering it's supposed to be this like futurist thing, but it only takes place in 2005. Oh, that's because <laughs> when you got like 98, yeah. 99, it's like, well, no, no, 2005, we're gonna fly cars. Yeah, 2006 yeah. year, guys. That's yeah. when the flying cars are coming and robots. Yeah, geez. I guess like a very Z Rust 50s future, I guess. You would think, yeah, but now it's, yeah. it's trying to go for realistic modern. I would hate it if we had flying cars. Oh man, people can drive on the damn road. If every if every a flying car is great if you're the only person with a flying car. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have air traffic. You're still it's still gonna take just as long to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, you think we have an emissions problem now? Could you imagine if we actually had everyone flying? What 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 emissions would it take to get a car off the ground in the first place? But that's neither here nor there. We're not here to solve the energy crisis. We're here to talk about movies. That's yeah true. yeah. Um, that's pretty, I was just want to say though, because that is fasting. It's, it's not the sort of genre that you usually see these sorts of, uh, like feats of achievement. Yeah. We worked on Star Trek Beyond, right? Yeah. We worked on a movie where there was literally two 12 hour makeup teams and it was a 24 hour cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Because of all the aliens. So to think about just the level of, and we, maybe that's take for granted sometimes the sort of genre. Isn't it? It really shouldn't have. Star Trek Beyond should have won the Oscar that year for the effects, for effects makeup. But in a case like this, so yeah, it's like you you really do have this movie that with a different script, this would be a thriller. With a different actor, this wouldn't work as a character, as we discussed earlier with mm-hmm. Tim Allen. Even, uh, even, even if you didn't have Sally Fields in that role. Even if like, you didn't have Sally Fields. Because without her providing this 
this this this backbone that is I, I don't know, stronger than 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 Daniel's case at yeah. most, most times. Yeah. Um, then I don't think you'd be able to get the balance between these two characters' perspectives to be able to get to that type of happy ending we get to at the end there. Because with know? those two as well, like it comes right down to the actor as well as you're saying. Because between Sally Field and Robin Williams, this is a very for comedy, you're walking a very delicate line with the story in this yeah. comedy, and it has to work in a certain way. And look at this movie now. That nowadays we're talking about this movie, you know, like going on almost thirty years later. Yeah, we're talking about this movie now in this podcast, and the fact is that when we talk about this, movie, if Jurassic there's been arguments about there's been arguments about if it was damaging to the transgender movement and stuff and such like that. And right, the unfortunate truth is, in the early 2010s, uh, the Republicans started using pictures of Mrs. Outfire to make fun of transgender people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fact. It happened. Yeah. Uh, the, what I love is that we can still see this movie nowadays and it hasn't been tampered by all that. It hasn't been gained mm-hmm. by all this hate uh, that it could have created. We can actually just see this movie in 1994 of Robin Williams just really wanting something and yeah. what he'll do to get what he feels he is mm-hmm. earned, he is owed, which in this movie is simply just the ability to see his kids. Yeah. And it's that earnestness of the story. And I know we're using the term earnest a lot, but it's like... No, no, but earnest is is the mood of this movie, yeah. you know? I I don't think anything's done in an overtly cynical fashion Yeah, in this movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. There's not really any bad people in this. No. Like, even uh, the character Stu in any other movie, Stu would have been mm-hmm. uh, just an asshole. Yeah. Like. If this were an early 2000s comedy, absolutely. Would yeah. Have been. yeah. Well, Stu would have been uh, a 10 in Jiggle of the Way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like the yeah. one with the mother's gone. It's like, shut the hell up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but in this situation, though, just the idea that even with him, like, I loved how this movie approaches things just from the perspective of reality. You don't need a bad guy in a script. Yeah. Necessarily. Yeah. I know. I like that both of, like, both of the parents are making mistakes and you can definitely see from his wife's perspective how she thinks he's a bad father Mm -hmm. or he would not be able to take care of it not a bad father he's not responsible enough to take care of his kids is what i think she feels Mm -hmm. but then at the same time they've been divorced for a week and she's already bringing a new guy home to meet her kids yeah as 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 much as they set up in that initial scene where they meet in the office this is like an old flame situation yeah, it is. It is a bit, but also like she's been feeling let down by this relationship she's been in for fourteen years. By the end of it, and I think you know all these feelings are fresh. They've all just been well baked, and that scene was just the breaking point. And you know she's trying to be professional. She's yeah. trying to be professional at that dinner that they have. But he's like, oh, hey, no, let's let's check in. She's trying to talk about you know like a the, the, the painting palette, and it's just like, oh yeah. So how have you been? How have you been keeping? Ah, oh, you're still gorgeous. All that stuff. So uh, he's he's chasing it and she's not saying no, but I think is is just in the like, no, you're being a supportive presence in my life right now. Do you want to come out and say hi? Sounds great. But then they do start dating. Then they do start dating. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I think it's I don't know, yeah. it's an interesting perspective. And I think it doesn't mm-hmm. kind of lend itself to the idea that nobody here is totally good, totally bad. 100%. It's I, the I, adults all making decisions, some of them good, some of them bad. And the and lesson in the end is you got to think about the children. Yes. And that's the most important thing. Again, comes back to the heart and earnestness. And that was the the point that I was trying to come to, is that she, as a flawed human, does not see how introducing this man to her children could actually hurt them because Mm -hmm. of how it would feel like she's replacing their father. She's considering her own feelings. She's got her own anger towards this man. She loves her children, but she's got blinders on in some areas 
where I don't think people even in that era realize the effects of like just moving on so quickly without actually checking in with your kids first Mm -hmm, yeah and she also like I don't think she's wrong for dating like you were saying the feelings Mm. are baked in but I feel like the good or better way to do that would be like she goes on dates with him but she doesn't bring him near her kid she's not taking him to the pool with the nanny her husband after the divorce has been given three months to get his act together she's not even giving him a chance to do that regardless of what he's doing she is not giving him the chance before introducing someone who might be better than him at life basically yeah yeah i i do agree with you there like i and that's what i'm saying i think this on every side here there's people doing things that are the wrong choices and maybe and you know the wrong things but they're never for the wrong reasons and they're never for nefarious or selfish reasons it's it's i do think there's a legitimate thought process to everything that happens in this movie and i think it's reasonable to see where people in these circumstances make these decisions mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of where a lot of the heart comes in you know it's uh and i bring up after that conversation has it there at the end of the movie where it's like you kind of make it clear that you know you're not innocent here miranda <laughs> like, you guys are both these are two peas to a pod it takes two to tango and the tango dance didn't work well. It's not exactly all him. It's not all you. But it is a mix of both of you. And both of you have lost sight of what's the most important thing here. Your children. And that is the most important part of the, about this movie. It never forgets that that's the most important part of what they're trying to say. And that's why I love Mrs. Downfire. And that is also our time. So, uh, Justin, thank you so much for coming to the show. For anybody listening, um, if you look at our descriptions and you look at the links, we have Mrs. Outfire on Blu-ray, Prime Rental, DVD. We have links at the bottom. Justin, anything you'd like to say before you take off? Thanks for having me aboard, and uh, I hope you all appreciate Robin Williams just a little bit more after this podcast. Oh, thank you kindly. <laughs>